Hey Misfits, I'm your host Melinda. Thank you for joining Mystery Loves Company. Now hold on to your butts as we go on another mysterious adventure. Let's see what today has in store for us. Welcome back Misfits. So today we are going to talk about the old Idaho State Penitentiary. And this is definitely known to be haunted. It's actually rated, I believe it was rated number one haunted place in Idaho. Um, So Hannah and I decided to take a little trip. And we went down there with a couple of family members. And let me tell you, the feeling in that place is thick and it's dark. Some spots more than others. But man, your spine just really starts getting like, like clenchy. Anya and um like you can you can tell there is definitely activity in this prison. So this prison was built in 1870 and closed to inmates in 1973. This prison held prisoners for over 101 years and man oh man does it have history. Um so the Old Idaho State Penitentiary started as a one-cell house and quickly grew to house 600 inmates at a time. The prison is surrounded by a sandstone wall that the prisoners actually built. Like that that was part of their prison punishment was to build this sandstone wall to keep themselves in. Um, being that the surrounding wall was sandstone, this made for treacherous conditions. In the hot Boise summers, the walls would absorb the heat and create like an oven effect in the prison. And in the winter, the walls would, would absorb the bitter cold and leave the prisoners extremely cold for months. It, it was super cold when we went. I mean, it's, it's the middle of winter in Idaho. So yeah, it was really, really freaking cold. Um, and so I can now understand what the weather conditions were like, uh, when this prison was active and what the prisoners and the guards had to suffer through as it was freaking freezing inside. Like my fingertips literally were tingling and numb. It was so damn cold. So that I mean, that, that was crazy all on its own. And I did see like they had, um, like, you know, those little stand up electric heaters, they had a couple of those along the walls, but definitely not enough to warm the, um, actual prison houses. Like some of these houses, there was cells built up that were like, um, I would say like four or five stories high. And so definitely not enough heat to keep them warm in the wintertime. And then in the summertime, obviously, they just, they were an oven. They were just cooking in there, um, <clears throat> the, the guards and the prisoners alike. 
just endured this. It was horrible. Um, so the prison did not get proper plumbing until the 1920s. So the smell and the conditions were horrendous. And it didn't help that they had super shitty ventilation. Like, um, this started to drive the inmates absolutely insane. And they started to become more violent and more violent. So then the guards answered violence with violence until the inmates had enough in 1971. In 1971, a riot broke out, which ended up burning down the chapel and the dining hall, along with other buildings that received damage. But the chapel and the dining hall, they were goners. And then again in 1973, another riot broke out. And this one was the demise of the prison. The prisoners were transferred to a more modern prison in South Boise. Everything was left untouched at the old Idaho State Penitentiary, from the burnt walls to the calendars and the drawings that were hanging on the walls. And let me just tell you, like we saw so, so many things that we had to add. Well, like one of one of our family members that was there with us was actually at one point in time a... Um, a tour guide out there. And so we asked her just a ton of questions, but there was like, like, um, padded seats for the toilet and stuff like that. And I guess that some of these prisoners actually made some of these things, but then, you know, some of them would buy with like commissary or whatever. Um, but yeah, they would make their toilets all fancy and pretty or whatever. Um, like different decorations that they would make themselves. It was actually pretty cool to see all of this stuff. And it was it was really weird to see some of the stuff that they actually hung in these prisons because these are, you know, most of them are hardened criminal men. And some of these things that I saw on the walls seemed a little bit more on the feminine side. So, I mean, maybe it was like little bits of home. Maybe it just made them feel a little more at home. I'm not sure. But then we ended up learning about um, Squawky, which was an alcohol that they would make in their toilets. And this the Squawky, I guess, would have to ferment for months. Like They would put a whole bunch of fruit in their toilet to ferment, and then they would make this alcohol and that's actually how these riots happened like that's how the fires happened is they used the squawky to light the prison on fire and so I know on my TikTok I got on and I asked the question like if these guys are using their toilets to make squawky where are they going poop like I'm sorry I was super curious like where do they go potty if their potty is full of Squawky. I was, however, informed by a TikTok buddy that um, it's called waffle stomping. They would shit in the shower. Now, wrap your head around that for a second. Waffle stomping. Once I realized what I actually had read, I was just like, oh, for the love of shit, are you kidding me? Like, they would poop on the drain and stomp it down the drain, which would then cause a waffle effect. Fucking disgusting. So gross. Okay, 
So now that we got that out of the way, let's talk about some of these prisoners. First, let's talk about Harry Orchard. Orchard was imprisoned for the murder of Governor Frank Stunenberg in 1908. During his trial, Orchard confessed to many other heinous acts. While Orchard was on the stand, he recounted his other dark crimes in an eerie, calm, and almost polite manner. Um, he spoke of his career as a Union terrorist in which he killed 17 people, including Governor Stunenberg. Um, he confessed to bigamy. Excuse me. He confessed to bigamy, heavy drinking, gambling, and womanizing. And so we got to think back in these days, like, um, and I still think bigamy is still a thing. Like you could actually go to prison for bigamy, but like heavy drinking and gambling, like this is during the prohibition, right? So these are big no-nos. And then womanizing, I'm not exactly sure what they meant by womanizing, but apparently it was considered a heinous crime um, to like your women. So I don't, I don't know if things have changed now or if it's just more like maybe it's just more accepted now, but is it still against the law to womanize? I have no idea. But um, so Orchard, Orchard was originally given the death penalty, but ended up with a life sentence. Um, he was... Idaho State, he was in Idaho State Prison for 46 years before he ended up dying in prison, which was the longest an inmate had ever spent in an Idaho prison. Um, so yeah, he, he ended up dying in prison, but he wasn't executed. He just died of old age, um, which now brings us to our next prisoner, which is Lita Ford. So there was a woman's prison out there, but I think in the beginning, like the men and women were kind of prisoned together, um, but they very quickly decided like that's probably just really not a good idea. So they ended up building on and creating a woman's prison as well. But Lita Southerd, like what a bitch. Uh, she was also known as Idaho's Lady Bluebird. Uh, she was from Twin Falls County, and she was charged with murder in the second degree in 1921. Southern is also known to be one of the first female serial killers in the United States. Um, so she was convicted of killing just one husband, uh, but at least four of her husbands and her small little baby daughter and her brother-in-law all died under similar circumstances. She urged her husbands to take out life insurance and then she would poison them. In one is instance, she extract extracted arsenic from flypaper, from freaking flypaper, and baked it into an apple pie. The press dubbed her as Lady Bluebird, and she also had the nicknames of the Arsenic Widow and Lethal Lydia. She later escaped with the aid of a former inmate. 
Then she dumped him and married another man. A year after um, her 1941 release, the state granted her a full fucking pardon. Are you kidding me? A full pardon. Like, this lady was a total, total black widow. And, like, when they tested all of her ex-husbands, each one of them had arsenic in their system. But yet she was only charged with the murder of one husband and then granted a full fucking pardon. Like, I don't know. I did some reading on her, and I did find out that her gorgeous red hair, like, really, really enticed men. Like, men loved her. And so I'm wondering if that's how she ended up getting a full pardon, was batting her eyelashes and showing her beautiful, beautiful red hair and just being like, yes, please pardon me. I won't ever do it again. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. I'll never kill again, even though I like to kill everybody I marry and my baby girl. Oh my God. Can't, nope, nope. So then we will now move on to Ray Snowden. He is known as Idaho's Jack the Ripper. Snowden was the most notorious inmate at the Idaho State Pen. He was convicted of murder in 1956 and sentenced to death by hanging. Snowden murdered Cora Dean, a local mother of two. During a night of drinking, Snowden backhanded Cora and she fought back. Fuck yeah, she fought back. Um, She kicked him. Uh, The fact that she fought back enraged him and he pulled out his two and a quarter inch pocket knife and stabbed her then continued to stab her 35 times. 35 freaking times he stabbed this poor woman. Um, So before his hanging, Snowden admitted to murdering two other women. And at 12.05 a.m. on October 18, 1957, Snowden was brought to the gallows and the noose was tied around his neck. At 12.06 a.m., the trap door was pulled and Snowden's body dropped through the floor. But the noose failed and his neck did not break. Snowden struggled at the end of the rope for 15 minutes before he finally suffocated to death. And this was actually the last execution that took place at the old Idaho State Penitentiary because he did not die right away. Like... All the other executions that took place, their necks snapped. The noose did its job and it snapped their neck. But with Snowden, it did not. It did not. And so there was not another execution that that took place there. Um, There were actually a total of 110 deaths of inmates due to either illness, age, suicide, or murder. So now this brings me to the paranormal part of this story. So guides and visitors alike can attest to the sinister, dark, gross, and thick feelings of this place. Um, Many people feel things touch them. Many hear voices. Um, 
Most of the eerie yuckies come from the building dubbed as Siberia. Siberia was the solitary confinement building. Um, there are hauntings in other buildings like Building 5, which is where Snowden was housed. And the gallows are pretty active as well. Um, you know what? Actually, I want to touch base on something else that I just realized that I did. Uh, when I was talking about the prisoner, Lita Southard, I realized that I actually called her Lita Ford. Um, so many of you probably know Lita Ford is an amazing rock star. And I am such an avid lover of rock and metal. And so when I was saying Lita's name, even though it is spelled different, um, just automatically Lita Ford came out of my mouth. Her name was not Lita Ford. It was definitely Lita Southard. So I would just like to correct that for a moment. But let's get back to the paranormal part. Um, so yes, the gallows were very, very active as well. So we'll start with building five. So many people have reported that when they are cell in cell block five near Snowden's cell, that women especially feel or hear things that, um, there have been many reports where women's hair is being played with. And then they hear someone say, Oh, pretty. Ew. Ew, 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 ew. If I heard someone say, oh, pretty, in my ear while my hair is being played with, I would literally fall down and pee my freaking pants. Um, when I went to visit, I did not experience that. Um, actually, what I experienced when I was standing in front of Snowden's cell was a super, super sharp pain in my right temple. Uh, it was, it was completely acute and extremely painful. The pain remained in my temple and the, sorry, can't speak apparently, but the pain remained in my temple until we literally left building five. Um, so I told Hannah, our producer, uh, about it and she felt the same thing. Um, I also felt a gross thickness, like climb up my spine. But again, when I left building five, all was well. I didn't feel any more of that. But that sharp pain that was in my head, it was almost debilitating. It hurt so freaking bad. And anytime I uh, feel a bad spine, uh, we'll call, we'll say anytime I, I feel a bad spirit, I feel it in my spine and it climbs all the way up my spine into my neck. And that is exactly what I was feeling. It was gross. It was thick. It was disgusting. I hated the way that that felt and I could not wait to get out of building five. Now, had I heard I was pretty in that moment, literally I would have just died. I, I, I might have fallen down and cried, might have peed my pants. I don't know what would have happened. It would not have been good. So I'm pretty happy that Snowden wasn't like, ooh, you're so pretty. Let me play with your hair. Fuck no. Um, 
The next building I want to talk about is the gallows. So the gallows gave off a super, super gross vibe. Very dark, very depressing, very sad. It it was as if your mood like completely altered in there. Uh, we didn't stay in the gallows very long, um, but it it just like really was pulling at my gut. But we did take some videos, and while we were taking videos in there, when we were when Hannah and I were looking at the videos, when we got back to the house, we did catch some orbs. Which, if you go to YouTube and you watch this on YouTube, you will see the video that has the orbs on it. Um, the next building that we went to was Siberia. We talked about Siberia earlier. And this was solitary confinement. Um, the, the prisoners actually named this building Siberia. And I would assume that they named it Siberia because it was like nothing, nowhere. Like, it was just, like, being completely and utterly alone. And so I assume that's why it was called that. Um, now, I have to say that I felt something very, very different in this building. I felt extremely claustrophobic. And so this building is very little, right? And these cells are so teeny. Like there's enough room to lay down. Maybe. Maybe. Like, I don't even know if you could lay down flat, but it's dark. There's no light. It, like, I sit there and I picture this, these, these people in these dark, dark, teeny weeny rooms where if you stretch your arms out, you can touch both walls. Like it was insane. So anyway, I felt completely claustrophobic and I also felt like I was becoming a little bit confused and like I couldn't make sense of things. And I assume that is maybe how the inmates felt when they were in there, like they were losing their minds. And you would think if you're in, um, confinement like that, for any certain amount of time, like you've got the dark, you've got the quiet, you've got the no room to actually stretch your body out or anything like that, and all you have is your mind to play tricks on you, you're going to go fucking nuts. You're going to go crazy. And that's what I felt like in there. I felt like I was going to go crazy. It, it was super, super weird. And um, so the next room that I want to talk about is the laundry room. There was just something super eerie in the laundry room. I couldn't put my finger on what I was feeling. Um, it was just in, an incredibly like uneasy feeling. Uh, I noticed I kept looking at this certain machine in there. I don't know what it was or what it was used for, but I noticed my eyes just kept going back to it. And there was something I did not like about it at all. And Actually, um, I watched a video on this because um, I, I, you know, I watched uh, quite a few different um, like paranormal investigations that happened at the old Idaho State Penitentiary. And when I was watching this video, there were some people on there that just had this weird, weird feeling in the laundry room and they couldn't figure it out. And I was just like, Oh my gosh, that's exactly where I was. And this machine 
that I kept staring at, they pointed it out on on one of these paranormal videos that I was watching. They pointed this machine out and they're like, this machine is creepy. I don't know why it's creepy, but it's super creepy. And that room, they say it just felt really bad. And that's exactly how I would describe it. I don't know why the laundry room felt bad. It just felt bad. And so then we get to maximum security. So in maximum security, I went into a cell and I sat on a bed. And the um, family member that we were with that used to be a tour guide, she said that there have been many people that have felt something there if you sit on the bed or if you lay on the bed. And obviously there's no mattress on this bed. It is just metal, like crisscross metal where they would lay a mattress at this point in time. But, um, so I'm like, oh shoot, I'll totally do it. Right. And I didn't feel anything at all. And, um, so then my badass little baby niece who, uh, is a total daredevil and a creepy little weirdo, just like me. And I'm so proud of her. She is a girl after her own auntie's heart. She comes in and she's like, Oh, I got this. She lays on the bed. She experiences nothing. She just lays there like a champ. Like, what are y'all scared about? This is no big deal. No big deal at all. But Hannah comes in this room and she said she got severe shooting pains in her back while my niece and I were in the cell. Like she comes in and this pain just starts shooting up her back. My niece and I, we feel nothing, nothing at all. We're just like, okay, we're going to sit on this bed. We're going to lay on this bed. We actually have pictures. I have a picture of me sitting on it and a picture of my niece laying on it. Because we're waiting for something spooky, eerie to happen. Nothing happened to us. But Hannah felt something. And um, so, yeah, I I just found that interesting. Like, maybe it's because I was looking to feel something. So I didn't feel anything. And my niece, being a creepy little weirdo like her auntie is, like, she probably was like, bring it on, bitches. And she got nothing. But then Hannah walks in there and immediately is just like, oh, hell no, hell no. This room is bad, bad, bad. So I didn't get to feel it, but Hannah did. So many, many people, um, they have seen full body apparitions, shadows, heard noises, voices, cell doors closing, felt things grab them felt what's described as like spider webs, but there's no spider webs when they look, um, all throughout this prison. And, um, Hannah said that there were multiple times that it felt like something was pushing on her chest and it made it a bit hard to breathe. Like her chest was just really, really heavy. And she said if she wasn't standing upright, it would have felt like somebody was sitting on her chest. So I find that very, very interesting and intriguing for sure. Um, So there have been many, many paranormal investigations done at the old Idaho State Pen. And many things have happened. These paranormal tours are conducted at night. And you have more access to parts of the prison that are usually closed. Um, There is... Another 
paranormal investigation happening later this year, and I will 100% be there. I will need to look into some infrared recording equipment because I'm going to be there with bells on and all of the infrared and all of the little gadgets and be like, okay, I want to see you. I want to hear you. And I'm going to do another podcast on that when I when I get that information and when I get to experience that. But they have so many different tours there that are amazing. And some of them happen around Halloween time. But these paranormal tours, I really, really want to go. I believe even um, Ghost Hunters has actually been there and done like a paranormal investigation there. So it's a, it's super awesome. It's super haunted. It is super creepy. And we're going to keep the haunted and creepy going because come season two, it's all haunted places, baby. So make sure you join us. And thank you so much for joining me tonight. After all, mystery loves company. Bye, guys. Bye.